Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... My name is Reverend Steve. I am the Pope in question. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. Actual thing, worth a Google. It's episode 269 of the podcast. And you know what they say about blind prostitutes? You really gotta hand it to them. Yes, you do. So, uh... I've got a pretty good show, a, a really great chap, uh, and I believe a spirited discussion about a not-so-spirited film. Okay. So, hooray. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Bonnie! Yes! I want to talk... A little bit about the male anatomy, okay. if I may. Figured you'd be okay with that. Okay, so I am now well and truly a man in his 40s. And it's difficult because my father doesn't talk to me and my older brother is an asshole. So I don't have that many males in my life to help me navigate what my 40s are and this whole middle age thing that I suddenly find myself in, but I, I figured some things out. Okay. Some things out. So let me tell you, Bonnie, what I have learned about being in, in your 40s, okay? So this is my theory, and I think it's pretty good. Every man has a machine inside them. And this machine... It, is alive and all it wants is a purpose. Okay. Inside of you wants a purpose. But when you're born, I mean, the machine's barely on. When you're a teen, you're, you know, it's on a little bit and watches you, you know, try things, try out hobbies and stuff. It's, it's on in your twenties and thirties, but it's not that strong. It's not that strong. It, it, it's on more so than when you were a teen, but the machine's not at your power yet. But then there comes a time for the machine inside of you to finally turn all of the way on. It happens somewhere. It, it, it's different for everyone. It, it can happen in your late 40s, your mid 40s, your early 40s, 39, 43. It's different for everyone. But suddenly there's this big, loud, raging machine inside of you and it's just whirring and roaring and spurting out smoke and all it wants is to be given a purpose so that's why every guy in their 40s suddenly has this thing of inside of them that's screaming okay what are we gonna be what's gonna be our thing our gimmick come on we need a hobby what is it gonna be how about golf we can go to golfing go to the golfing range hit some balls that sounds fun. Doesn't that sound fun? How about this? Bowling. We can join a league, play every Thursday night, night, have some beers with a couple of friends, maybe become really good friends with a guy named Hank, and you go to his house, have a few beers, make out. Come on. What about tiki's? You ever collected tiki's before? That could be <laughs> You could be the tiki guy. Don't you want to be the tiki guy? Doesn't that sound fun? Come on. Listen to a lot of Martin Denny. Go to Hawaii. How about this? LPs. LPs, you can get a record player. This sell them at Lowe's for Christ's sake. Go to vintage record shops, become a collector if that doesn't work for you. There's so many other things that can be your thing. 
How about this? Parrot head. Have you ever really listened to Jimmy Buffett? I mean, really listen to him. What if that's your defining characteristic? No? No Jimmy Buffett? Okay. There's other choices. Let me do some rapid fire for you. Expensive tabletop board games? Legos? Horror movies? Old westerns? Theme park videos on YouTube? You could be the craft beer guy. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun? Two words. Model trains. There's got to be something. Come on, Star Wars action figures, VHS tapes. Did I already say bowling? Bowling. So, what I'm saying is, uh, I was having a hard time writing this podcast. And I was like, I, I, I can't write, I can't write, I can't write. Like a, like a, like a writer's block. And then suddenly, I said, maybe, you know, I just need to write music. So I was looking for music and I was going through YouTube and it's like I, I just wanted one of those big playlists that's like an hour long or two hours long so I can sit down and try and focus. And uh, so there are some people out there that take Disney theme parks real seriously. Yes, they do. So it, I there's this whole subsection of music fan Disney theme park people. And so, hey, you're at the Pizza Planet restaurant in Tomorrowland, and they're playing, like, music in the background. Here's a three-and-a-half-hour loop of that music, of exactly that music that plays. And so I was going through these, like, loops, and it's like, no, I don't want a loop of Fantasyland music. No, I don't want... To listen to Jungle Cruise, like jungle music. I don't want... And then I found... It's like, ooh, look at this. Apparently there's a tiki restaurant at the Disneyland Hotel. Here's three and a half hours of goddamn tiki music. Uh-huh. It was so relaxing and all of this Hawaiian music and tiki music and jazz and like jazz exotica type shit and, and, and I'm, I'm just listening to music that would be playing at a bar and and it oh it just really worked for me and so the next day when i sat down to write i was like maybe i can find something like that again and then the best part is, is that i don't really know this music or this culture but i'll be listening to like some jazz song some hawaiian song some tribal song and Holy shit, Esquivel. Okay, I know you. You have a, you, you know, one of your songs was in uh, <clears throat> Big Lebowski. You had some music in Four Rooms. Like, okay, here you go. And then, like, the next song is like, oh shit, I know this song. This is fucking Dick Dale, the king of the surf guitar. <laughs> but then, apparently, so then the next day, I found another tape, and apparently, right next to the Tiki Room, there's a restaurant. And this one was my favorite because the restaurant that's there, they they have an hour-long loop of music that they play during the daytime and an hour-and-a-half loop of different music they play at nighttime. So you can listen to day music or night music. And I, I warned my wife, you know, suddenly I'm listening to all of this, like, tiki music, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking wonderful. And it just really spoke to me on a real deep, beautiful level. And I told my, I'll tell you, Bunny, the same thing that I told my wife. If I end up becoming a tiki guy, I just hope that I can still get 
you know, support from you. Uh, yes, I, I would. I would support you if you come out as a tiki guy. Okay. I, I I would be there for you. Um, okay. I, I think you're missing a lot of the nuance of getting old, though. You know, I like yeah. like. Have you reached the phase where everything you say suddenly starts getting really fucking creepy? Yeah, I. I yeah. It used to be cute. I don't know when it stopped being cute, but now it's just fucking creepy. I reached I reached the point where every time that I get up, I make noise that my kids need to point out to me. Okay. Runs I'm like, and here, I'm stand up, and then my knees are like, pow, pow. <laughs> Yeah, so I've reached that point where, like, I'm just laying down on the couch, and then I stand up, and Bella's like, whoa, that noise, was that your bones? And it's like, oh, a way to make me feel better about myself, Bella. Thanks for that. Yeah, so my my machine is kicking, is what I'm yeah. saying. My machine you, is really kicking. And you think you're maybe, going tiki? Maybe. I'm not sure. I've got a lot of options. I, I feel like this is the male version of of like a like a woman's biological clock. Yeah. But it's like, oh, maybe. this is why this is why people are so this is why men are so into sports and or cars yeah like before, before you go full tiki okay let me make a suggestion and just don't you don't have to say yes or no right away you know think about it just okay. just think about it baby doll heads baby doll heads yeah just a head not, not the, the good whole part baby doll. That, People will leave you the fuck alone for one. And the good part about that is when you die, there'll be like YouTube videos of your creepy house that you left. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's good. I'll be on like one of those YouTube, like, is this house haunted type thing. So that's good. I A lot of times, speaking of speaking of haunted if you uh, wanna if you wanna take it a step up from there, you could just collect baby heads. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be the next logical progression of that. Gotta be a little more careful with that, but I want to I I, I imagined a sitcom in my head the other day talking to the kids because every time you see a ghost it's like an 1800s ghost yeah it's like a victorian era ghost or something like that so i i I just like i want to be haunted by a ghost but it's just like a mc hammer backup dancer (laughs) that had way too much coke one night in like 1990 had too much cocaine and like crashed her car, and now I'm haunted by an MC Hammer backup dancer. So that's when I came up with the sitcom, and it's just my 80s ghost. <laughs> and you're just haunted by a 1980s guy, you know? It's like, you're, ooh. Are you sticking, are you sticking with the backup dancer, or are you going to, like, I'm rotate not, I'm not, ghosts? I'm, no, I'm not stuck on the backup dancer. But that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was trying to think of what is something that was very 80s and very 90s. 80s arcade you know? kid. 
is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I also had another idea for a movie. It's sort of a reverse crossroads. But this guy wants to sell his soul to the devil in exchange for being the greatest musician of all time. But the uh, Satan won't allow the deal to go through because he's just a bassist. <laughs> I'm going to be the greatest musician of all time. Well, I will give you the voice of a hundred angels. Oh, I'm not a singer. Oh. Very well. Then your guitar shall be, oh, I'm a drummer. And Satan's like, if you're a fucking drummer, then no. <laughs> I don't want your goddamn soul make you the best drummer. Ew. <laughs> I have a higher standard than that. I'm Satan. Jesus. I want to be the best. Uh, I want to be the best chess player. Like what? Come on. You need something glamorous, you know? Yes. I'm going to sell my soul to Satan so I can become the best Yahtzee player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of things that you could be best at that that no one would give a shit about. Yeah, yeah. You know, pickle inspector. I, unfortunately. You know, if you're the yeah. best pickle inspector, yeah. you know, you walk up and down the line, you check the quality of the pickles before they go into the jar, and you're just the absolute fucking best pickle inspector people still aren't going to give a shit i'm the best damn inspector in the world and i'm here to inspect your damn yeah Uh so like i sold my soul to the devil when i was younger but unfortunately it was to be the best at the nes game adventures in the magic kingdom (laughs) now that i'm in my 40s it's not you know Really should have been more of a forward thinker, but that's fine. Buddy! Yes! Originally, at this part of the podcast, I was going to write a bit about Taco Bell. Taco Bell is having financial trouble, and they might have to close a number of locations, because apparently a lot of, a, a good portion of Taco Bell's sales... It, during normal times would come from people and, hey, I'm going to work. It's breakfast. I need to eat something really quick. I'll stop at Taco Bell. It, it's on the way, whatever. Or yeah. it's lunch. Where should we eat this time? I don't know. Maybe how about this time we go to Taco Bell? Or it's late. You're coming home from the bar. You're going to a movie. Let's grab some Taco Bell really quick. Spontaneous sort of sales. Um but with people staying at home due to the coronavirus and, and not necessarily, you know, on their way to and fro. Uh, yeah, Taco Bell is losing a bunch of money. So I was going to write a deep dive about Taco Bell. And then I woke up on Wednesday and found that former wrestler Marty Jannetty admitted to a murder on Facebook. And I thanked yeah, the podcast. Fill this out. Because it's like, God damn it, this is such a great podcasting segment. Thank you, Facebook gods. Because that's just great, you know? Yeah. So, like, thanks, Marty. This is so wonderful. How 2020 is it that we got zombies, cicadas, and murder hornets, and now uh, Marty Janetti's confessing to a murder? 
Okay, this so is, now I don't know this guy at all. So a couple of other of my of my friend, Facebook friends mentioned it here and there as well. Okay. Um, well, I got you on that. So here's the the four dummies version of Marty Jannetty's career. It's really simple, and I have it in a way where everyone can understand. Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels were a celebrated 1980s WWF tag team called the Rockers. And and they were very popular in the 80s. And because of their popularity as a tag team, Marty ended up being a multiple time tag team champion and also intercontinental champion, which is like the vice champion. OK, you know, yes. there's champion, and then there's intercontinental champion. So so then Shawn Michaels turned on Marty Jannetty. OK, because because they they still do this, but they did it more in like the 80s and 90s even, where, like, wrestlers had an interview segment. Yeah. And Rowdy Roddy Piper had the part, the Piper's Pit. Yeah. Where he would interview people. And so Brutus the Barber Beefcake had the barber shop, and it looked like an old-timey barber shop, and there was rumors that the Rockers might break up. So Brutus the Barber Beefcake had the Rockers on, and Shawn Michaels is there. It's like, hey... Uh, Marty and I, we are the greatest tag team of all time. We're not breaking up, and we are never, we are never uh, parting ever. We we are together forever. And then Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty hugged, and while they, uh, you know, cheered and to the crowd and everything, Shawn Michaels turned and just super kicked him right through a window on the okay. set. And that turned Shawn Michaels into an absolute superstar bad guy because he turned on his best friend and lifelong tag team partner, Marty Jannetty. So then Shawn Michaels is suddenly a superstar and no one gave a shit about Marty Jannetty. He tried to go his own solo way, but he absolutely didn't. And it has long been a, a, a joke in professional wrestling up until this past Wednesday that... In in every tag team, there's a Shawn Michaels and there's a Marty Jannetty. Right. So Marty Jannetty became the Garfunkel of wrestlers. Oh. He was the Oats. Yeah. And there would be times like once every five years where, where especially in WWE, where some tag team was like, you know what? Maybe I should go my own way and be Shawn Michaels because you're the Marty Jannetty that's holding me back. And so, they, yeah, Marty Jannetty was always like the punchline, yeah. you know. But this past Wednesday... All over social media, people were pointing out that, wow, so Shawn Michaels was the good guy this whole time. <laughs> oh, wow. The biggest the biggest uh, baby face turn in professional wrestling is when Shawn Michaels kicked <laughs> alleged murderer Marty Jannetty through a window. So, okay, so but maybe I really misinterpreted something about that story. Or, or was it a series of tweets? Whatever it no, was. No, it was a story on Facebook. Uh, he had just broken up with his girlfriend. And also, it's important to point out that Marty Jannetty has, a, has had a lifelong uh, struggle with addiction. Yeah. He, where, if I got the story right, he was 13 at the time. Yes. I'm having a hard time blaming him. 
Well, well, he, he it's a very vague post. So some people are taking it as uh, someone tried to sexually assault him and he stood up for himself. But it also could be, hey, uh, a, a gay guy was hitting on me, so I had to kill him. It, it, oh. But also, because he does use the F word on him. So, so it, it not only is he coming out and saying that he's an attempted murderer, but also he's a homophobe. Well, but yes, did, he was, he was definitely a homophobe. But I did see a lot of a lot of uh, people and on he Twitter, and he didn't sound he, he didn't come off to me as as being a very bright person or a very yeah. good person. Yeah, you know, I mean. I, I I could see the guy's a dick. Oh yeah, but exactly. if if the story is is that some older guy was trying to molest him when he was thirteen and he killed him. Well, I've got the story here. I've got the story here. Uh, he's since deleted this, obviously, but here's the story. Quote: I never told no one this, even my brother Gino, because Gino would have killed him. And I didn't want my brother gone. Hell, he'd only recently came home from Vietnam. I was 13 working at Victory Lane's bowling alley buying weed from a FAG that worked there. And he put his hands on me. He dragged me around to the back of the building. You already know what he was gonna try to do. That was the very first time I made a man disappear. They never found him. They should have looked in the Chattahoochee River. But Winnie, the girl in these pics, so now he's gone straight to from the past to the present but Winnie the girl in these pics I likes you so damn much probably my favorite these read off like like the like the the ghetto friend you have on Facebook <laughs> what this reads off as and I don't mean that in a racial way because I know a lot of uh, white trash people who would post like this on Facebook yeah not on my side of the family, but um, <laughs> I likes you so damn much. Probably my favorite, but I promised myself way back then nobody would ever hurt me again. That includes you. I love you, but you hurt me with your fucking Jamaican jealousy. It, that right there, that should either be a drink. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have a, a I'll have a whiskey on the rocks, and my wife will have a Jamaican jealousy. Yeah, or. Um, ooh, it could be a really good Cinemax movie. Yeah. It plays at like 2 a.m. on Cinemax. Tonight on Cinemax After Dark, Jamaican Jealousy. Yeah. Eric Estrada stars Jamaican Jealousy. Yeah. Jen Michael Vincent stars in Jamaican Jealousy. Uh, a sex toy. Sex toy, yeah. Jamaican Jealousy. Uh, yeah, my wife and I tonight, we're going to have a few beers and I'm going to try a Jamaican Jealousy on her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you hurt me with your fucking Jamaican Jealousy. You can go your own way. I don't need you. And then someone posted to him, are you okay? And he said, me and Winnie just had a fallout. But if you're asking about the other thing, yes, that was a billion years ago. Plus, I have the satisfaction of knowing that bitch ass ninja 
never got to do another kid like that. And I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter point out that like Marty Jannetty is a homophobe who is confessing to murder, and he, even he knows not to say the N-word. <laughs> what the hell is your excuse when Marty Jannetty murdered a guy and uses ninja? Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, just, just look at how that first post read. It's just like, Salvador Dali could not come up with that kind of stream of consciousness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we go, you we go from uh, from a murder to him breaking up with some girl. Yeah, in like yeah. three sentences. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I'm not sure why, but I blame Ellen. <laughs> what was Ellen doing at the Chattahoochee River? Yes. Was she also working at Victory Lane's bowling alley? I'm not sure why, but somehow I blame her, you know? Yes. I think she is, somehow she is responsible for this. I agree. I agree. And then, and then and then Ellen is accused of of treating employees like shit and people say uh well, I uh, have met Ellen numerous times and have been on her show numerous times, and she's always treated me nice. Me, a famous rich celebrity. Yeah. It's like, fuck I off. I wonder why. Like, motherfucker. We're, we're not... Like, Jay Leno's like, I've known Ellen for years, and she's always treated me with respect. And it's like, yeah, because you're not serving her fucking coffee. Yeah. You're not making copies for her, you son of a bitch. Like, of course she's treating billionaires nice, you fucks. God damn it. <laughs> it pisses me off so much. But yeah, Marty Jannetty. So, oats. Uncle and Oats of wrestlers. So where are you falling on this Marty Jannetty story? Uh, well, I I believe it was Frightful, Fightful.com talked about Marty Jannetty's history with addiction and also his propensity to say outrageous things that have no basis. Apparently, he is a bit of a liar. Yeah. Or or an embellisher, as I think a lot of like old timey wrestlers were. Yeah. So he might just be talking out of his ass and he got into a fight with someone a long time ago, and now he's spinning that in some way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just happy that the entire world, like, I woke up and suddenly everyone I knew was talking about Marty Jannetty. Like, how fucking... <laughs> like, uh, like, 2020 is so bizarre. Like, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, and I'm gonna take a... a Big stretch and turn on the TV and like and like our top story today. Snuffleupagus killed a man in Reno. Yeah, it's like 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 so bizarre. Like like tomorrow, like Hillary Clinton's going to announce that uh, she had a longtime sexual affair with Doink the Clown. <laughs> Jerry Epstein's uh, Pedo Island. Uh, how does the Iron Sheik Nikolai Volkov work into this? Yes. We'll find out tonight at six. Like it is real weird to see Marty Janetti trending worldwide. 
yeah. really bizarre. But that, they, yeah, so so fun, yay! I was just happy that that this was a story because this was a weird week. Every week is a weird week. Oh, every it, week is a weird week. Yeah, every and, week is a weird week, and it's impossible to even track the weird, the yeah. weird and flat out dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know. yeah. yeah, so fun. Funny! Yes! We still have a uh, full show to get to. We need to talk about Disney animated movies, uh, Gordon M. Sumner. We need to talk about Misha Collins, Christopher Guest, my ex, Debbie. <laughs> Fred Willard, of course. Tom Jones. We need yes. to talk about Tom Jones. And uh, yeah, we still have a big show to get to. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 and break. An ass put on a lion skin and went bouncing around the forest merrily, scaring the foolish beasts by brooks and by rocks. Till at last, he tried to scare Bob. But Bob, hearing from beneath the mane, that raucous voice, so petulant, so vain. Oh, ass, Bob too run away. But that Bob knows your old familiar prey. That's just the way with asses. That's just. Everybody stinks. I'm Peter Fonda. We've just finished making a movie dealing with the most talked about subject of the day, LSD. I honestly believe it will be today's most talked about motion picture. The name of the picture is The Trip. Here goes. cloud of light that just blows right out over the sea. Beauty you cannot believe inundates you. Your world, the people world, is fragmented. Distorted. is a rainbow of ecstasy. The messengers of death pursue. Terrify you. 
going to die, man. Oh, no. Oh, I don't want to die. If that happens to you again, you go ahead and go with it. Just go ahead and die. Whatever happens. The wildest of pleasures possess you. And we're back with more of the Popon film. Bunny. Yes. You ready for America's most popular podcasting segment, Bunny Versus, starring the incomparable Bunny Williams. I mean, are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you revved up? Are you ready? Are you ready to go? No? Are you ready to do it? Do it, do it! Sure. Okay. <laughs> well then, without any further ado... It's time once again for Bunny Versus, and now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny! Well, there can't be any mail-in voting if I stop the mail. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I'm, I, and I'm sorry, I, I am kind of sick and tired of everybody being shocked all the fucking time. Like, what the fuck? Kill him. Let's just do this already, because this is fucking insane. Yeah, um, we used to be the leader of the, of the free world. We used to be like a first world country. We used to lead the, lead the globe. And now we can't even go to Canada. No. No. And I I read somewhere this article about how Canadians are so upset at Americans crossing the border and, and, and it's so funny how the time has turned that now it's Canadians going, Oh, you know what? I hate, I hate these illegals coming across the border. <laughs> Those illegals uh -huh. are coming over here. They're bringing, they're bringing a disease. They're bringing crime. Uh -huh. yeah, maybe we should build a wall there. <laughs> And you know what? They should have to pay for it. Yeah, maybe we should uh, build a wall to keep those uh, dirty Americans out. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, America, the Mexico of Canada. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hooray. What new lows we have created. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, <sighs> it's, it's insane. And it stays insane, and it's not getting any better, and, and nobody is doing anything about it. Yeah. All I'm anybody does is goes, oh, oh, look what he did. Yeah, look what he fucking did. Why don't we stop him? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how... 
how much a Republican president can get away with. Yeah. That like a Republican is president, 9-11 happens, the president goes, whoops! Yeah. That sucked. And it's like, oh, well, this one guy's responsible. Oh, we'll get him. But first, watch this drive. Walk. Yeah. You know? And then, like, a Democratic president comes along, and it's like, what? He chewed gum? Yeah. Oh, let's focus on this for an entire month. Oh, president Obama chewing gum during a state dinner. This is the worst thing to happen to a president. And now it's like, okay, I, like there's like a corruption a day that Donald Trump is getting away with because Republicans and Democrats are, are so completely different things. Meanwhile, the press is over here just waiting for a, for, for, for a chance to once again go, Oh, President Obama, President Trump changing his tone, yeah. becoming presidential. Let's talk about this with five experts. Yeah, they fucking love saying that. They yeah, love they saying that. Cause, yeah, because he put a fucking sentence together. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. It's still a bad idea, but at least it was a complete sentence. Oh, he's so presidential now. Fuck you. I swear yeah. to Christ. I, you know, like sometimes I have fantasies of being in the press corps during one of his briefings and just be like, Mr. President, Mr. President, I, I, I have a question. What the fuck is actually wrong with you? I, and I just want, and I want a member of the press to just say, like, Mr. President, we all know you're lying about that. Yeah. We know you're lying. That's a lie. Yeah. It, like, like, goddamn. Somebody needs to stand up to his mouth. Just tell us good. what's fucking going on. Don't, don't try to get him I, I what are you trying to do get him to admit something yeah or you know what are you trying like like suddenly he's going to be like oh yeah right i lied to you yeah you know you're not going to trick him into that and even a couple of times when we have nobody fucking cared anyway yeah so 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 this is my week this is this has been my week Number one, um, we are homes. I am homeschooling all of the kids. Yes. Um, my school district has a virtual academy. And so we're going all virtual. The kids are going to get laptops. We're going to get a, a hotspot here in the house. And, and um, because Emerald is no longer in the house, we're using her room as the classroom. Oh, I'm trying to think of different ways to like annoy the kids, and one of the things that I want to do is I want to get a big, um, like refrigerator box and paint it yellow, and have all of the kids wait in their rooms, and then I come in as the bus driver, <laughs> and I pick, up and I'm like Maxwell, get in the bus, but it's a box, get in the bus, we're going to school, and just drag them all to Emerald's room and we've we're, we've got like a whiteboard there and, and you know we're going to take it very seriously um 
Another another good thing about it is that if they were going to regular school, their first day would be this Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's just the idea of them going to a school, you know, like it, it is the absolute worst right now. So all of my kids are going to be taught here and I'm going to be teaching them. I'm going to be your teacher, your preschool teacher. You're going to be you're going to be in class with uh, Maxwell and Bella. The first and only time you guys will all be in the same class. So I'm oh, confident. Oh, 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 does Bella get to be the bully? She already is. <laughs> she she absolutely already is. So I, I'm confident in my abilities to be able to teach these kids and not go insane. And because and because we're doing virtual school and we're not doing actual school school, it doesn't start until like the end of this month. Well, because I've still got time. I've still got a bit of summer left, you know, yeah. so I'm happy about that. Uh, yesterday was the last day of Gish. It was. The greatest international scavenger hunt which is this thing that they do every year for charity that is run by Misha Collins, star of the hit movie uh, Stonehenge Apocalypse. Yeah. You might also know him from some show I've never heard of called Supernatural, but yes, the star of Stonehenge Apocalypse does Gish every year. And there's Damn you, things. Academy! Yeah. And uh, uh, that really ties... That really ties well with our movie this week, yeah. too, Bunny. So yes, it does. All of the people that I that I liked in this week's movie were barely in it. <laughs> like, like I want more of Christopher Guest's weird ass director. I want more of Richard Kind's different Richard Kind and Sandra O's oh different poster designs. Yeah. I I I, I want to know more about the screenwriters Bob Balaban and Michael McKeon. It seems that Michael McKeon just wrote a a, a a movie, and then Bob Balaban said, "Let's airdrop Jewishness into it," <laughs> because it's just a typical 1940s movie. Except every once in a while, someone will go, "Oi, oh, Gavalt!" Yes, you know. So. So this week has been Gish, and um, Natasha said that that this this year we got more done than previous years. I edited a thirty second PSA about hand washing. Okay, that did that was one thing we did. Um, I reenacted a Disneyland roller coaster in the living room. Okay, zoom in a green screen. That was really fun. Uh, I made a really good, really good um, drawing of Mothman using only salt. Okay. Really impressed with how my salt cryptid came out. Nice. Uh, and then there was this, there's this a whole capture the flag thing. And so uh, it one person in, in Natasha's team who is all over all across America, one person in, in her team said, I'm 
I'll do this capture the flag one, but apparently the closest flag to her of another person doing Gish, who also was doing capture the flag, was two and a half hours away. So we ended up driving in, in like over an hour to Yukon, Oklahoma, to go to a park and take pictures next to a flag. Yeah. So that was that was a, a fun, bizarre day, and my favorite part of Gish, um, Natasha made a genuine wedding dress. It took her like four days of work. Okay. A genuine wedding dress out of plastic shopping bags. Nice. Had it tailored to my delicate male frame. Yes. And uh, I looked fierce. <laughs> And we went to the local park and had a photo shoot. Nice. Two photo shoots. It was the it, it was probably the itchiest dress I've ever tried. Yeah. And I have tried a lot of dresses in my time. This was the itchiest dress ever made. But um, sometime this week, like the moratorium ends on like keeping this thing within gish so i think sometime this week i'll actually be able to show people like pictures and stuff of yes. what i have of, of what i've accomplished but i think i looked good in the dress that's what i'm saying my shopping bag dress i looked real good and there was something Sexy. about there was something about stan lee using spices oh yeah we were gonna do that we were gonna do that but uh somebody else did it yeah. Somebody else claimed it. And it's funny because they used all of these spices and they did a really good drawing of Stan, a really good illustration of Stan on their kitchen table and then left it there. And then the next day, they went to go clean it off of the table. Apparently, the spices had stained their table. Yeah. So now they have a table with Stan Lee's face on it. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't realize that the table that they had was susceptible to spice stains, which <laughs> I've never heard of. So they drew Stan Lee using spices on their table, and they'll never be able to get it out. Hooray! Glad I didn't do that one. Yes. So that was my week. Uh, how was? How are you, Bunny? I'm okay. Just hanging around the house. You know? Yeah. Nothing much happening, you know, so pandemic's treating me well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said you said you had a bunny versus. Yes. Hey, what is this? Yes. It is a very long meme of Ant-Man driving down the road with, with the Fantasy Island guy, Luis? Yes. Okay. I am so disappointed. I just learned that Michael Pena, who plays Luis in Ant-Man, Scientologist. Oh, no. Such a blow to the, to the chicken tenders. That yeah. hurt me so bad to know that that... Mexican motherfucker is a goddamn Scientologist. Well, Fuck. 
He's starting to get more fame now, so let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I- I'm getting the feeling that comedians tend to have less susceptibility. Yeah. Like, what's yeah. her name? Leah. It's the King of the Hill girl. Leah Remini. Yeah. Yeah. I think because of their powers of comedy, they're able to see through the bullshit a little easier. Yeah. It's just a theory. Just a theory. But anyway, he, as they're driving down the road, Luis is catching Ant-Man up on everything that has, that has happened. Yeah. And that is basically it. So, I'm kind of springing it on you. You think you could handle Luis? It's it's the um, major part. I think it needs your I, voice. When I when I go on the Pope on film, I see just one panel. Yeah, click on the first one. It's. There, there's a sh- shit ton. I only see no. I literally only see one panel, and it says, "Wait, oh yeah, we sent two dudes into space, lucky bastards," and that's all I see. So I'm trying to find. Oh, that's the last one. What the fuck? Okay, let me try it again. Where, who had it? Quick turtle, I think. I think, but I I can't find the order. Yeah, it's because I was in a hurry to get back, but I, I, I couldn't stop reading it. Yeah. Let me find it and post the whole thing. Oh, trying to find it as well, but I'm not having that much luck. A lot of pictures of alpacas. Okay, yeah, I see it starting with me and like the first picture he seems to have posted is like not the first one. Okay, I found it and I just reshared it. Okay. Um Okay. Really? Okay, I see it here. I just I I I hate doing a Mexican accent, so I don't think I'm going to do a Mexican no, accent. Don't, don't do a Mexican accent. Because yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Because I, I, I want it. No, I I want to hear you read it. Okay. I mean, okay. what's the point of of reading it as Louise? You know? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I'm ready. All right. So, how's 2020 been, man? Well, Australia basically burned to the ground. Tens of millions of acres gone. 
one billion animals dead. Hundreds of species need emergency intervention. We should probably make a dome. Then Trump started start some Iranian general with a drone, almost led to World War Three. Now Iran's asking Interpol to arrest the president. Uh, but nothing bad, nothing else bad. Some is- dude in China ate a bat, so now I don't have a job. That's the. That's allegedly. Just yes. want to say that it's not one hundred percent. Sounds like Luis is being a bit racist here, but whatever. Yeah. Now I don't have a job. Me and twenty-one million other Americans, actually more like fifty-five million Americans right now. Yeah. So, so just updating that meme there. They helped us a little while, but it's about to stop. Uh. uh <laughs> Sorry. Did you say a? Bat? Oh yeah, there's a plague. It's killed half a million people worldwide. Um, five million Americans have COVID nineteen right now. That's insane. Uh, One hundred twenty-eight thousand of those are in the U.S. No, five million Americans. The White House hasn't really done anything about it either. Nothing. Uh, well, not until the economy collapsed. They bailed out a bunch of businesses, gave us twelve bills each, so we could keep paying the businesses the plague is gone yeah i probably should be wearing a mask anyhow no it's getting worse but trump is trying to slow down testing because it makes his numbers look bad tell me there's a quarantine at least there was but the gop canceled that too it it flattened the curve though vertically they should impeach trump Oh, they did. Abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. There was a squid pro quo thing with Ukraine. It didn't matter. He was removed from office. He wasn't removed from office. He's still there. He's still... Anything else? I'm still in January. (laughs) His daughter Gigi died in a helicopter crash. Then a plane crash in Tehran killed 176 people. And Prince Harry and Meghan Markle renounced their royalty. So then in February, the UK left the EU. Iowa botched its primary caucus. I remember that. But they did put Harvey Weinstein away for rape. But it took decades of accusations, so it's barely justice. Well, at least the justice system is getting better. Oh, come on. A, a, a white cop knelt on a black dude's neck for nine minutes on camera. The guy George Floyd died. Yeah. Oh. Bunch of protests started against police bruta- brutality. So the cops responded with rampant police brutality. So riots started. Uh, the riots stopped, though, mostly. Did they at least get some reforms? Yeah, they took Aunt Jemima off the syrup bottle. They they uh, canceled the show Cops. Disney's rebranding Splash Mountain. So anyhow, so anyhow, uh, yeah, no, no, no police reform like at all. So it'll happen again. Oh yeah, only a matter of time. Well, that's a lot of stuff. Surely there isn't more. So then, murder hornets arrived in the PNW. Puerto Rico got hit with a bunch of earthquakes. Flint, Michigan, still doesn't have clean water. Locust swarms are devastating Africa and Asia. Please stop. The Saharan uh, Saharan dust storm is covering the southern U.S. There's an Ebola outbreak in Africa. Dot, dot, uh, dot. 
The Scandinavian sensors detected a radiation leak in Russia. Uh, Russia denies it. Also, Russia has been putting bounties on U.S. troops. Uh, Trump and Putin are still best friends, though. They're still besties. Is there any good news? Uh, not really. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. we sent two dudes into space. Lucky bastards. <laughs> and scene. And scene. There you go. That was beautiful. Uh, that was beautiful. Both, both hysterical and horrifying at the same time. Yeah, there's there's an alternate universe out there where Cats was a massively successful blockbuster smash, and there's no goddamn pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I think Everybody's so. Walking- uh, yeah, there's an alternate universe out there where there's uh, chaos and, and violence, but that's because of people who are on team Skimbleshanks and people who are on team uh, Mr. Mistopheles. Yes. <clears throat> I want to be in that universe. Yes. I want to jump to it. So like that, that show is- jumps. So that is all I have for this week. And I'm lucky I found that meme. (laughs) That was good stuff. So until next week, or whatever my sign-off is, (laughs) cut. Cut on that. I just need... Oh, perfect. Okay. Gotcha. Going to move to this side so you can see more of the background. Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? It's sweeping the nation. But only uh, real fans, true hardcore fans of this podcast, would know two fundamental truths about the two of us, Bunny. Two absolutely really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about America's hottest will-they-or-won't-they couple. Yes. Bunny first and foremost the the number one undeniable fact is that uh, about you bonnie is that when you're not doing this you also do a number of podcasts it says here you do 34 different podcasts and toto there so bonnie tell us about some of your other possibly less well-known podcasts i've heard that some of them are pretty specific uh, well, there's Swimming with Llamas, uh, and it's pretty straightforward. I mean, that's not it, – it's a very straightforward title. It's not referencing anything or anything like that. It's a podcast where we discuss actually swimming with llamas. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, most people don't realize that llamas can swim. Most llamas don't realize that llamas can swim. You know, you have, so we go through kind of a lot of llamas. Um, you have you have no idea what this shap is about. You have no idea how well that answer ties in with what we're doing. Uh, good. Here. Good. Just FYI. So maybe we should just stop it while we're lucky. No, you absolutely should. You absolutely should, because that ties in so well. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own special storytelling style. 
So that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, it's entertaining, and it's chock full of talent. It's the Ellen Page of podcast segments. Yes. And so today on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the legendary Disney animated movie, Kingdom of the Sun. Which okay. also which also happens to be the story of why the musician known as Sting hates the Walt Disney Corporation. FYI. Okay. I love the story so much. This is one of my favorite shafts. Haven't even done it yet. Already love how well it turned out. So it starts off with this guy, and his name is Roger Allers. He's a playwright, animator, producer, storyboard artist, and director. He worked on such Disney films as The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Oliver and Company. And then his big break was he was chosen to direct a little film called The King of the Kalahari, which was then changed to King of the Beasts, then King of the Jungle, and then finally The Lion King. Okay. Roger Allers worked in the Disney uh, animation studio for so long that they they picked him from the studio to go and direct The Lion King. He also wrote the Broadway play of the same name. So suddenly, sort of overnight, Roger Allers is in the big time because uh, The Lion King was such a huge hit. And also, the one that also took a very serious look at, at, at Africa and the African safari and the land, and there was African traditions in there, too, and, and so on. So, of course, Disney immediately decided to do what all movie studios do after they have a big success of a movie like The Lion King. Disney said, let's do the same thing, but slightly different. Yes. Well, this is where two ideas collide because they're like, we need to do another Lion King. But then on the other hand, uh, Disney had apparently for decades been trying to do a big animated film based on the Mark Twain story, The Prince and the Pauper. And the closest that they the closest that they ever came to that was a 24 minute Mickey Mouse short that played before the rescuers down under in 1990. So the decision was made to combine these two ideas. Let's do another Lion King and we want to do a big budget prince in the pauper. So the decision is made to 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 do another Lion King, but this one takes a look at Indian Incan life. Okay. Ink, and Incan culture. And within that story, uh, the basic plot would be there's an arrogant emperor named Manco, and he discovers that one of his uh, peasants, a, sh a shepherd peasant named Pacha, looks exactly like him. So they trade places, 
and the arrogant emperor gets to, to, to be a shepherd alone on his own, and Pacha the shepherd gets to live the high life. And then, and then eventually it turns into a pretty wacky story. There's an evil sorceress who wants to steal the sun. Okay. And there's a, a three wacky mummies, and there's a, and eventually the the evil sorceress learns about the deception and how the emperor is actually a shepherd and this other shepherd is the emperor. But to make sure that the emperor who is pretending to be the shepherd doesn't come back, she turns the shepherd into an animal. Okay. Is this um, the Emperor's new groove? Eventually. We'll get there. We'll get there. Right now, it's a serious, a fairly serious animated movie called Kingdom of the Sun, which was hoping to be the next Lion King. Okay. Okay. So it's it's a serious and very respectful but quirky look at Incan society, Incan history, Incan culture. It was going to be so serious and such a prestige animated movie that they contacted the legendary musician Sting, whose real name, of course, is Gordon M. Sumner! Yes. Big fan of B-movie references lately. (laughs) Been referencing B-movie a lot. And I'll be like, hey, Natasha, you like jazz? (laughs) The Disney people are all like, hey, Sting, you're gonna love our new movie, Kingdom of the Sun. It's it's an it's a musical, a bunch of musical numbers. We want you to write the music. It's quirky, it's different, but it's also a very serious look at Incan culture. And did we mention that d- the director of The Lion King, Roger Allers, is directing this? Yeah, Sting, we want you to do all of the music for us. This is a musical. We want you to write all of the music. And Sting said, I'll do it, but only on one condition. My wife, she's a director. Her name is Trudy Styler. She gets to make a documentary. You give her all access. No holds barred. She can do the documentary that she wants to do. And Disney said, yeah, we have no problem with your wife making a documentary about this film because uh, obviously Kingdom of the Sun is going to be just as big as The Lion King, maybe even bigger. So they signed Sing up to do all of the music and uh, they have a documentary. So work starts on Kingdom of the Sun. The team works on the script, the story, the animation. Sting goes off on his own pilgrimage. Okay. You know, Sting being Sting, he wants to get the right mindset. He's uh, he's in, he's on top of some mountain in some Incan. He's like in a yurt or whatever. Yeah. Smoking weed with, you know, holy people and, you know, riding on a llama, learning about the culture and shit. Uh, Because he wants to learn about Incan culture firsthand to really, you know, he's really excited about Kingdom of the Sun. Meanwhile, the Bride of Sting is working on her documentary. Now, I'm going to skip ahead in time here. Okay. Okay. 
going to tweak the timeline a little bit. The documentary is called The Sweat Box. Okay. The Sweat Box, the title of the documentary refers to the screening room at the Disney Studios where the executives would see what the animators were working on. Okay. And when they when they first did built the screening room, there was no air conditioning in it. Okay. So the animators would sit in the front row and watch their work, and in the back, where it was cooler, all of the executives in their suits and ties would just be sitting there with their arms crossed, all pissed off, and raining hell on the poor animators. So they, So the animators would sweat it out, well, the Disney executives tore apart their work, so they called that screening room the Sweatbox. And so the documentary is called The Sweatbox. Uh, Disney hates this documentary. Okay. They technically own the documentary, but no big surprise here. Disney refused to release the Sweatbox. It has never been released on video. It's never been released on DVD. It's not on Disney+. Plus. You can't stream it anywhere. It is hard to find. But Disney fans being Disney fans, copies of the Sweatbox are everywhere. In fact, the full film, this is why uh, I chose... Uh, this chef this week, Sweatbox is free on YouTube. Okay. And it's a phenomenal look at how a prestige film like Kingdom of the Sun, an animated musical, um, became the goofy non-musical comedy The Emperor's New Groove. Okay. It is a fascinating look at how this happened. Disney did not like the the work that director Roger Ailes was doing on Kingdom of the Sun. Uh, a lot of time in the sweatbox, uh, changing scenes, changing plots, changing characters, and a lot of pressure is, so the executives are giving a lot of pressure on Roger Allers in his film Kingdom of the Sun. A large portion of that pressure came from executives came because while they were working on Kingdom of the Sun, they're like, oh, hey, The Lion King just came out. This was a huge film for us. We're going to work on another Lion King type of a film two to three years that will come out three uh -huh. or four years after The Lion King. But in between those years, other films came out, like Pocahontas, which was a bomb. And then The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which was a bomb. So executives are like, oh shit, Pocahontas was supposed to be huge. Uh, fucking Hunchback of Notre Dame was supposed to be huge. Our next film needs to be a massive success. We need to make like a billion dollars with our next film. What's it called? Kingdom of the Sun? Fuck it. Let's, let's go figure out what they're working on right now. This needs to be huge. And it's a good look at it, like... Like, what happened to Kingdom of the Sun happened a million times with a million other films. Yeah. You know? We're going to work on this movie, and then when it comes out, it's something 100% different. You know? It's a completely, completely different film. Eventually, the execs get so aggro over Kingdom of the Sun that they hire a second director 
named Mark Dindle, who starts working on his own version of Kingdom of the Sun. Meanwhile, Sting is oblivious to all of this in the mountains in a hut, weaving baskets and shit. <laughs> Talking with holy people and shamans, these balls deep in Incan culture. And, 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 and he's crazy, and he's still writing all of the music for this musical. Yeah. Meanwhile, panically, panicky executives are redoing the entire movie that he agreed to do. So in the movie, they call Sting. But in my mind, I like to think that, the, that you know, two years later, the doors to the Disney uh, Corporation uh, just blast open. And in like a big ball of smoke, Sting appears. <laughs> all like weather beaten and he's got like a shepherding staff you yeah. know and he's like I have returned the Incan people accepted me and made me their chief <laughs> I spent two years in the mountains breathing llamas and I have learned so much about the people and about their culture here are the 19 songs I have written for the new Disney musical, Kingdom of the Sun. So where does director Roger Allers and the studio executives are like, well, uh, a few things. First off, Roger Allers quit. So now it's a different guy named Mark okay. Dindle. Okay, but I'm kind of picturing the scene just before that. Where the two guys that Sting is speaking to, one turns to the other, like, you didn't call Sting? I thought you were calling Sting. We forgot to call Sting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Secondly, it's not Kingdom of the Sun anymore. It's the Emperor's New Groove. And finally, we are, it's no longer a musical, so we're going to throw out almost all of your songs. But hey, we do have a theme song. Not that you wrote. You're going to love the theme song. We got Tom Jones to write. Oh, God. Emperor's New Groove. It's hilarious. And so, uh, so that's how we got the movie, The Emperor's New Groove, and how we got the documentary, The Sweatbox. The documentary, Disney does not want you to see. You see this you see this documentary pop up in like BuzzFeed type listicles of controversial documentaries that people don't want you to see. You know I, I went and found it on YouTube. It's all sitting yeah. there waiting to go. So so now the documentary stands as a perfect example of how a well meaning movie is completely changed into something else due to executives and meddling in the creative process and that happens all the time. Uh, Jeffrey Jones was in a movie called Mom and Dad Save the World in 1992. It was was like Jeffrey Jones and Terry Garr and their parents and um, and the kids think that they're uncool and they accidentally get sucked into space where they have to save these people from an evil, evil emperor or something like that. And uh, it was like this PG-13 family friendly sci fi film that bombed in the box office. But then you see like uh, later on, like Michael Palin was in it and. And all of these people are being interviewed and they're like, oh, my God, originally this was supposed to be like a dirty adult sci-fi parody yeah 
And as we filmed it, it just kept changing and changing and changing. And next thing you know, we're all doing this kids movie that no one wants to see. Yeah. And that sort of thing happens all the time. Like the process changes a film. And, uh, and that's why this documentary, the Sweatbox, is so amazing because this prestige film about ink and culture became like a slapstick David Spade animated movie. <laughs> So the documentary is just absolutely fascinating. One final word on the subject. Yes. I fucking love The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. I love that damn movie. It's hilarious. And I love it. And I don't, and, and I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't think I would have liked Kingdom of the Sun. Yeah. You know, because at that period in time, Disney was taking itself so seriously. So I like the fact that what would have been a serious film was dumbed down into like this stupid, dumb, fun animated movie. I really love the emperor's new groove, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I don't like the process that led to the emperor's new groove being created. Yeah. I also don't, like, I also don't like that. I feel that the emperor's new groove was the first time that Disney started their process of here's a super, here's a popular movie. You like this? Great. But we're going to water it down with the TV show. Yeah. The Emperor's Groove of the TV show. Then we're going to water it down with the direct-to-DVD sequel. And then we're going to water it down with a sequel to the sequel. And it's like, eventually, you have this product down here that is no way as good as what you started with. Yeah. And they've done that so many times. And I felt that the Emperor's New Groove was the first time that they did that. But... The Emperor's New Groove is a really good movie. But poor Sting. Poor Sting. Yeah. I wrote this entire... Uh, I wrote this entire shap and I was telling Bella about it. So the next day we sat down and we watched The Emperor's New Groove. And she's watching the film and she loves the movie and she loves the movie. But this was the first time that she didn't turn off the credits to listen to... Like, it's this weird slapstick comedy. But then once the credits hit... Here's the most beautiful ballad Sting has ever written. Yeah. And it's like, you know why this is a beautiful ballad of Sting's? Because it was for a different fucking movie. <laughs> this was a beautiful song he wrote for a musical, a serious musical about ink and culture. And now it's weirdly tacked on to the end of a David Spade movie. <laughs> Poor Sting. Poor fucking guy. Poor Sing. Like, now we watch The Emperor's New Groove, and it's a wonderful film, and we love it, but we're, we're all like, oh, fucking Sting and the Bride of Sting. The, the, it, yeah. And originally, the character of Pacha was played by Owen Wilson, and he was really serious about being in the film. And then at the end, they're like, Owen Wilson, out. We're getting John Goodman. Okay. And so, yeah, so it, it's fascinating. So the documentary is out there. It's called The Sweatbox. It's awesome. Everyone should see it. And, and I got to say, not a lot of people have seen it. I, 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 I say this like every week. I, I'm shocked that more people don't know the story of this. Yeah. It is fascinating. They completed about 20 or 30 percent of the animation for Kingdom of the Sun and of the actual animation. And then everything else was storyboarded. 
they have a complete storyboard of what the movie was. Yeah. And then they had to just completely break that down and turn it into something completely different. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Ooh. Anyway, that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. What are we doing next week? I don't know, but it, it'll probably be good. So join us <laughs> next week for more Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that. Uh, ooh, there you go. Hi, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, buddy, yes. Uh, we still have a movie to discuss. We still have to visit the Fred Willometer. We need to talk about uh, uh, this movie, unfortunately. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 and break. And break. Blue softballs. What lovely music for a murder, or two, or three, or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife no fives. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Doctor Fives, who samples the finer things of life in his own inimitable way because uh, boils bats frogs frogs yes and because of blood because of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere Ready for Dr. Five. And we're back with more of the Popon film. Act three, money. Act three. Act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend. It's time once again for all of us here at the Popon Film Podcast to casually mosey on down to our third act. And in case you didn't know, the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast is where we finally and eventually discuss our all-new, low-fat, high-fiber, same-great-taste movie of the week! And so this week, it is our tenth film in our summer-long celebration of deceased actor Fred Willard yes. with a look at what may be his lowest-ranking Christopher Guest film, the 2016 film for your consideration. Ta-da. Now, well, once again, 
before we uh, dive into the film, let's once again visit the good old Fred Willometer to see just how much Fred Willard is in this film. And I'm sad to say that unlike the last three movies we've done, Fred Willard does not appear five minutes into this film. He did not. I had it more like around 20. Yeah, very, very sad about that. Uh, Fred, you, Fred Willard usually has some pretty big parts in these Christopher Guest movies, but not in this one. I feel that he's got a, a, a criminally small part. Fred Willard's character is one of those um, characters that I would like to see more of. I feel that the movie is a pretty good movie when they're filming the movie. Yeah. But when they leave filming the movie, I just stop caring. Because now what? I've got to care about these horrible, dumbass people. Yeah. Like, um, but Fred Willard pops in 32 minutes in as one half of the host of the TV show Hollywood now. And the best thing about Fred Willard, which I have learned so far during our summer of Fred Willard, is that even if he's in a small part, he still rocks it. Fun fact about Fred Willard, did you know he was posthumously uh, nominated for an Emmy? No. Yeah, uh, apparently, I never, I, I hardly ever saw this show because it just annoyed me. But uh, Modern Family. Okay wrapped up their final season and so the Emmys are looking to to try and give them all of the Emmys one last time. Okay. Apparently he was the father um, Fred Willard was. He was the father like Fred Dunphy or whatever. Like he was like the grandfather. He was the grandfather yeah. of the family. And so uh they they finished the the final season of Modern Family and Hollywood being Hollywood, they're like, in this final season, a major cast member will die. And then it just ended up being Fred Willard's uh, like grandfather character and, and people were upset and they're like, oh, that's not a major character. He's in like this many episodes. Yeah. That's a big letdown, but it was his last episode, and then he died after that. So the Emmys gave him like a like a like a best guest actor on a sitcom or something like that on a TV show or drama. Like uh, so, so yeah, he he got posthumously nominated for an Emmy. Fred Willard is when he has a small part because we're we're still in the Fred Will Willometer, you know. My big takeaway from the summer of Fred Willard is that when he has a small part, he still does a really good job. This film had a budget of three hundred million dollars. Gee, how much does how much does Funny Hats cost anyway? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love Fred Willard. Uh, um, blind prostitutes. Yes. I used, oh God. I used that joke on my wife this morning. She really liked it. Okay. So, Bunny. Yep. What are what are your thoughts on this week's movie for your consideration? Your oh, silence I, I like there. There were parts that I really liked and just found funny. But but like I'm I'm really kind of thinking I may feel more the way you do, where where 
once we were shooting Home for Porum, I, I I was fine. But as soon as you got out into the outside world, I kind of drifted away a bit. Yeah. I, I just think the movie isn't that funny. I think it's dry and it's a bit boring. I mean, what's the big takeaway from this movie that actors are douchebags? Like, ooh, what a hot take. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's... Uh, the best thing I can say about this film is that it's an hour and 20 minutes long. It looks... Like it's missing something. Like it's missing a sincerity that other Christopher Guest movies have. Okay, and so let me skip to the end of my notes because uh, I think that one of the reasons why this film did not do that great in the box office, it's not a goddamn mockumentary. Yeah, no, not really. It's it's really just a just a scriptless a scriptless film, but it's not a mockumentary. Like I, what I think would have improved the film is if they made this movie to be a documentary about the movie Home for Purim. Yeah, that would have made it more interesting. But no, like like like. I, 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 this is just a movie. This is just Christopher Guest attempting to make a movie, and it's just like I don't know. I, I find funny. I, I find Southern Jews funny. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just do not seem to go together. And also, I, I feel that all of the the actors, the like four main actors in the movie Home for Purim, I feel like, like. This film is lacking in wacky characters. Like yeah. this film has no quirky St. Clair, has no uptight dog owners, has no Main Street singers. It's just packed with a bunch of asshole Hollywood types that I don't particularly want to see. Yeah. And there are some wacky characters like Ricky Gervais and 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 stuff, but but you see them for like seconds and then they you know. Yeah. Like the wacky characters that I might like are barely in this. It mainly focuses on some just sort of uh, douchebag actors. Maybe if I was, and here's an, maybe if I was actually in Hollywood, this would have been funnier to me. Like I, I don't really particularly you know? find the movie bad. I just don't find it a Christopher Guest movie. Yeah. I feel that maybe this film would have been funnier if I was in Hollywood, you know, yeah. if I had done 20 different Hollywood productions, then, then maybe this would have been funnier. Maybe this is just so good of a parody of Hollywood that I don't find it funny because I'm not in Hollywood. Yeah. Like this, this is just, this is an hour and 20 minute inside joke. Yeah. That only like a Hollywood actor or producer or screenwriter would find funny. I I kind of found it funny that there is inside talk about an Oscar nomination. Yeah, I I found that whole bit pretty funny. I found that that whole except like I I feel like they carried it too far. Yeah. Also, yeah, there were some parts that I found funny. So many times have I met 
white people who find out that they're like one tenth Cherokee Indian and suddenly, yeah. you know, their entire house is filled with dream catchers. You know, so and like for I, some I, reason, and for some reason, it is. If if somebody is going to claim a Native American heritage, for some strange reason, it always winds up to be Cherokee. Yeah, yeah. This guy was Choctaw. Yeah, Choctaw Indian. Which but, which I which I, I I felt kind of relieved over that yeah. he was Choctaw. Yeah. Okay. So, buddy, hit us. Why don't you hit us with the plot of the film? Because you're so good at this, at explaining what the plot of a movie is. Uh, basically, they're making a movie, a uh, Hollywood serious drama, family drama kind of thing. Home for Porum. Um, and then it's Hollywood intrigue off of the set, I would guess. Home yeah. for Porum, a home for Porum looked was a fun concept to play around with, with especially like I said, Southern Jews. But then there was the whole the whole Hollywood buzz, the e entertainment stuff, the the. The there's talk of an Oscar nomination. Um which which concludes basically with the Oscars coming up and this movie has gone through changes. It's now like home for Thanksgiving. Um and then nobody wins the Oscars, right? Um the the old, the son is nominated for an Oscar, and I think I I think that might be the only nomination that the movie gets. Ah, okay. Is for the son the only one who's not a a, a douchebag? Yeah. yeah. But that's basically it. Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Um. One thing I will say, though, I fucking love Catherine O'Hara. I'm going to get serious about watching <laughs> shit this week. So I've never bothered to see it. But 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 me being a uh, like Gen Xer, I always stray away from whatever's popular. Yeah. So so it, suddenly everyone was talking about how amazing Shit's Creek is, and I'm like, okay, I'm a huge Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy fan, but I'm gonna sit this one out for a while. Yeah. But I love Catherine O'Hara so much that this week I'll I'll I'll, I'll try and uh, give it a chance. You know. Yeah, you know, she's amazing. She's fucking amazing. I've always liked her. I've always had a thing for her. Even when I was a kid watching uh, SCTV. Yes. That's where it started. Yeah, yeah. That's where it began. And then just, oh, oh fine. Beetlejuice, uh, Mickey and Mallory. Uh, Mitch and Mickey. Mitch and Mitch Mickey. And Mickey. Like, oh, she's fucking wonderful. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try and watch Shit Creek this week. Okay, so... 
For your consideration, 2006 film. My wife and I saw it once it came out in theaters, and I couldn't tell you anything else about it because this is not a memorable film. <laughs> I can tell you deep details of when I saw Waiting for Guffman in theaters. I saw it with Tom. We saw it in Tempe. We saw the first showing, which happened to be at around 1045. So the entire theater was just filled with old people. Yeah. So it was just all of 74 year olds. And then Tom and I waltz in. But I couldn't tell you when we saw for your consideration. We just saw the movie. It, the, it went into through our eyes and into our brains, and then we immediately forgot it. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Well, just um, be quiet, okay? Please? Okay, thank you. Um, so I don't remember seeing this movie, and apparently I'm not alone, because uh, it cost $12 million to make, and it made a little less than half its budget in the box Ooh. office. So... So if you ask me why this film bombed, I think that, like, sure, this is all an inside joke. And also, this this just isn't a mockumentary. It, it's, it's a movie where you're rooting for no one because everyone's a douchebag. Yes. You know? And even the one person, the son, who's not a douchebag, like, there's nothing in any way exciting about him. No. He's just a goddamn blank slate. You don't even learn anything about him. So it's just like, like I was rooting for a meteor. <laughs> you know, I was rooting for a meteor more than I was any of these people. Like I want to see more of Bob Balaban and Michael McKeon. I want to see more yeah. of the Mark people, Sandra Oh and Richard Kind. God, I love Richard Kind. I want to see more of the studio president, Ricky Gervais. I want to see more of Fred Willard's TV host character, but the movie focuses on just like these, the the three main actors who all suck. Yeah. But I, I, I think, I think, I think it proves your point that like I, I really actually kind of enjoyed it, even though I noticed I did drift away a bit at the end. Um, but it is fucking forgettable because I'm goddamn having yeah. a hard time remembering what I saw just last night. Yeah. Fun fact: uh, Catherine O'Hara plays an actress who uh, goes crazy when her small art film gets Oscar buzz around it. So of course, Hollywood said Catherine O'Hara's performance. Would have gotten her an Oscar. Yes. So, like, so the movie got Catherine O'Hara Oscar buzz for her performance as an actress whose performance in a oh, movie. Really? Yeah, like they said that she does that, like, the movie is forgettable, but Catherine O'Hara's performance as an actress who goes crazy over Oscar buzz. Could that get her an Oscar nomination? So it was basically <laughs> just, it was Oscarception. Yes. And then, of course, she wasn't nominated because, like, Christopher Guest movies don't get nominated for fucking Oscars. But the fact that they, people said, you might get Oscars, an Oscar nomination for this film where you're an actress who get, might get an Oscar nomination, that's so fucking Hollywood. Yes. Yes, it is. So much. And also, I've said this before, I will say it again. I love Parker Posey. Yes. So much. 
she could very much be one of my ex-girlfriends, Debbie, if she was just uh, three feet shorter, sunk of cheap weed, and looked a bit more like a goblin. Okay. Uh, The movie within a movie uh, might be based on a real thing, because apparently in 1966, NBC ran a made-for-TV movie called Home for Passover. Okay. Wilder was in it. And so that might be the basis for the scene within a scene home, uh, the the movie within a movie home for Purim. But I don't particularly like this movie. I especially don't like it once they leave the the movie set. But um, like, like I found it entertaining looking at all of the the small time uh, people who I know who were in this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, like Derek Waters, the creator of Drunk History, was at the end in the film class, and I'm like, "Oh, look at you, the Derek Waters! You you do Drunk History on car- the Comedy Central? Like, good for you!" Like, like little so many people are in this movie. Yeah. I want more of Jim Halpert's police drama that focuses solely on paperwork. Yes. Yes. I would like that more than watching this movie. <laughs> a dramatic movie about there's been a robbery. I must fill out a 182-94. Yes. You know? I want I I I want to see more of that. Especially now because Jim Halpert's like a like a like an action star. So that'd be a fun departure for him. Anyway, I, I don't particularly like this movie. <laughs> I just, not that big of a fan. There's, there's just, yeah, there's something missing. Like, like the, there's, there's nothing in this movie that would make me want to go back and see it. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to all the other Christopher Guest movies, which like I can quote and like I have memorized. Uh, I'll always have a Dairy Queen. Yes, the you day will. Oh, y'all. But 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 this movie, like like the, the, there's nothing memorable in this, yeah, at all. So 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 that's that. So that's this week. <laughs> um, next week, let me let me see if I can. This one can be mine. I. Dada, Okay, and let's not play with the Legos right now because I am. Okay, so I I spent a really long time looking for Fred Willard's first film, uh, a Grindhouse movie called Teenage Mother from 1967. Okay. No, they're mine. No, give them to me. They are mine. You're not going to take them and give them to everybody else in the house. They're mine. You and me. But Dad. They, no, they're mine. Dad. They are mine. Dad. So I, I I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find it. And, and I was trying and trying and trying. And then finally, I found... Oh, it wasn't on archive.org. Yeah, no, it was on YouTube. I found it on YouTube. Okay. Um... 
And the way that they got away with it was that, it, 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 you know, like, a, you know, some uh, Mr. Lobo cinema insomnia ish. Hey, I'm a I'm a movie host. Yeah. And so we're going to watch this movie this week. And. uh it's it's no longer even on YouTube. They took it oh. off of YouTube. That's fine because I downloaded it. Oh, cool. Okay. I downloaded <laughs> it, so I've got it right here, and it's hosted by Deranged Visions Theater. So okay. it's Deranged Visions Theater presents Teenage Mother from 1967. I haven't bothered to see it all the way through, so I don't know what they have added to the film, but it is the full, complete Grindhouse movie, Teenage Mother. Okay. Just like some, I, I don't know, behind-the-scenes drive-in sort of stuff in the beginning. You know, like a movie previews and stuff like that. Yeah. That sort of a thing. But it's not well, on it's the That's always cough. fun. Yeah. It's not on the Cough Cough yet, our shared uh, thing, but I'll, I'll put it on there uh, once I'm done with this. But yes, Fred Willard's first film. Okay. Cool. I was going to do. I was going to do. I just got a copy of Salem's Lot because I heard that Fred Willard was in that. Yeah. But I had no fucking idea that it was a made-for-TV miniseries. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No fucking clue. It's just all my life I have seen like copies of Salem's Lot everywhere. So I assumed that this was some movie that just came out in the '60s or '70s, like some '70s movie that came out around about Carrie. But like, no, this is a fucking TV miniseries. And also, I've heard it's fucking great. They, they, they. Well, to the best of my knowledge, okay, uh, I believe that this is the very first time that the idea of a vampire having to be invited in became oh. a thing. I, I don't, I've never heard of that before, Salem's Lot. Yeah. I never, I never heard of that before, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. When they're um, trying to get into nightclubs and they're trying to have the bouncer invite them in. Yeah, and it was it was cool because well, this was also when Stephen King was just starting to get hot. You yeah. know, like he got he got kind of lucky with The Shining. Well, there was Carrie before that, but The Shining kind of was the one that made him a name. Yeah, you know. And that's when I started reading his book. So I read Salem's Lot like just before this wound up coming out. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool. I just read this book. <laughs> huh. And yeah, it's so... not bad, but it's all, you know, you could look and see it's all all uh, TV people from that time. Yeah, and, and it looks like it was it looks like it was filmed in the back lot of Universal Studios. And motherfucking like, Lance Kerwin. Okay? Lance, Lance Kerwin. Lance Kerwin. Jesus. So we're not doing that this week. We're we because uh, yeah, because I found Teenage Mother. I I've I've spent the entire summer 
of yeah. Fred Willard looking for his first film. So it's a really big deal that, to me at least, that I finally found it. Yes. I don't know what Deranged Visions Theater is, but that's what we're doing next week. And maybe after that, uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, the summer of Fred Willard might be longer than the summer. <laughs> like so everything much. else in 2020. Yeah, like everything else in 2020. So that makes sense. So that's next week. We're watching the 1967 film Teenage Mother. So happy that I didn't have to pay like $20 on Amazon to get this movie. And uh, can you put that toy down, Eleanor? These silly pants, silly britches. Britches, I said, to be clear. Uh, so that's next week. Next week's going to be exciting. But now that I've uh, that I'm looking back at this week, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, Kingdom of the Sun, uh, Marty Janetti, yes. Tiki Culture. I gotta say, I think uh, this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I wanted to hear the one. You're the one who makes that decision. I didn't want to step on your toes, but yes, I concur. I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Eleanor and Bella and Maxwell and everybody else in the house, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Stop attacking me with a taco, Eleanor. Stop it. Uh, And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. You want to say Andrew? Andrew. Andrew what? Poop. Andrew poop. Okay. Do, 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 do. Cut and print. And print on cookie. Cut. And okay. print.